the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast. We are presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Today's episode, divisional round, NFL best bets. We've got four games this weekend, two Saturday, two Sunday. Usual suspects in the house, Brandon Anderson, Vegas refund, Luke Swain and Jill Gallant. As a quick reminder, folks, a subscription to Action Pro is how you get the most out of Action's award-winning app. As of right now, Action is offering a pro subscription at 40% off. 40% off, that's a good deal. This is only being offered during the NFL playoffs. So if you don't already have pro, now is the best time to subscribe and unlock all of the best features of the Action app. Coming into the weekend, Underdogs in the playoffs. Playoff dogs are 40 and 25 against the spread since 2017. Keep that in mind. Teams, this is from Evan Abrams. Teams to win as an underdog in the wild card round, Jags, Giants, are 6 and 23 straight up, 13 and 16 against the spread in the following weekend, which is this weekend, the divisional round over the last 20 years. Since 2011, those teams are 1 and 15 straight up. I learned. That team that won was uh, the Tennessee Titans. They beat Brady, and then they beat Lamar and the Ravens. That was trivia earlier in the week with Evan. And as we know, Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles, they're in the divisional round. The NFC East becomes the first division since 1997 to have three teams in this round. So we're looking to bounce back. Shout out to Jill. Hit the Dawson Knox anytime touchdown last week. Luke was on the Giants. As a reminder, you can follow all of the picks in the Action app. Yeah, you can awesome. follow the account Action Network NFL Picks Sunday Six Pack also available there. Let's dive in. Brandon Anderson, you're going to start on Saturday. What do you got for us? I am. I'm going to start with that first game on Saturday. Last week, my first pick was fading the Jaguars. It worked out great for me for a half. I'm going to come back on the other side this week. I'm on Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me the plus nine. I'll say up front, I think you can wait. I think you might get a nine and a half, a 10 here. Probably the line continues to inch up toward kickoff. But right now as we're recording, I'll take the nine. It's the matchup change. So last week we talked about Jacksonville's defense. I still don't love them. They're 31st in DVOA against top half of the league offenses. Mahomes played this team earlier in the year and shredded them. Just got to say that up front. But... I don't trust the Chiefs defense either. If you look at them against top 13 offenses, 24th by DVOA, terrible in the red zone. I think the Jaguars can hang with this team offensively. I think they can score with them. Chiefs pass D has been vulnerable if the pressure doesn't get home. And Lawrence, one of the things he's really improved at this year is the speed, getting the ball out quickly, processing quickly. So I think the Jaguars are going to score. I think we'll get a lot of back and forth here. And... I do like one particular matchup on the defense for Jacksonville. That pass rush has been really good, especially late in the season. And the one thing the Chiefs offense is a little bit leaky at is that offensive line and pass protection. They only one time all year played a team that was top quarter of the league in pressure rate. It was this one against Jacksonville. They had three turnovers in that game. That was a season high for Kansas City. Now, 
Yes, they lost. Or the, the Jaguars lost by 10 with the yep. three turnovers. That's not great. But the fact that the Chiefs didn't make some mistakes there, I think, is important. Normally, with the Chiefs, I always like to bet them because you got the coaching advantage. You got the special teams advantage. They're built in to what Andy Reid is. I think it's the other way in this one. Special teams has not gone well for the Chiefs this year. Jax has been much better. And I think I'll take Doug Peterson in a playoff game right now over Andy Reid. And then we did this one, Brandon, on the hot read on Sunday night. I gave you all the trends. I've got an article up at Action Network with all the division round trends. Just a couple of reminders, some trends fading the Chiefs here. In the divisional round, teams over 75% win rate are 15 and 30 ATS, 33% cover rate over the last couple decades. One seeds, 13, 24, and one against the spread. If they're favored by 10 or less, 8, 23, and one, 26% cover rate. Really, really bad here. Mahomes, we know to fade him when he's a big favorite. You know that number by now. And then Doug Peterson, our guy. 6-0, and unbeaten against the spread as a playoff underdog. 5-1 and straight up in those games. I'll take Jacksonville plus 9. I'm going to sprinkle the money line too. Plus 380, that's not the official pick here, just the plus 9. But I'm going to put some money on the money line. I think Jacksonville could keep this going and actually pull the upset here. And to reiterate, the Mahomes trend is a favorite of three and a half or more, 30, 36, and one against the number as a favorite of three or less, 17, six, and one. That also includes when he's an underdog, which is rare. Chiefs are favored, Luke, for a, f- a 14th straight playoff game. And <laughs> I'm leaning this way as well. The one thing that terrifies me, and it's almost like, it just reminds me of, remember the Vikings game where they... Stephon Diggs, the miracle in Minnesota. And the very next week, the Vikings got stomped by the Eagles. Um, yeah. where Let's you can probably close. you know, you can which like I default and I was on the Vikings that week too. And is it is a vivid reminder that I will always have of a playoff letdown after an exciting um comeback yeah. or whatever it was, which Jags definitely just had that. Um it's not one play, but that's the only thing. Um, I just keep thinking about the Eagles or the Vikings getting stomped the very next week. Um, but but, but to, to that, I would respond, though. Jacksonville has won, I think, six in a row now, effectively playoff games. Like, they've had to keep winning. They just beat to get into the playoffs, Tennessee, on a miracle play. Honestly, yeah. more of a miracle finish than last week. Like, though it was a 27-point comeback, it sort of just felt like we were heading toward Jacksonville down the stretch there. Like, it wasn't oh. the, the miracle, emotional digs play. So I think it's a good point. I, I know the Vikings fan and remembers both of those games, certainly the good one and the bad one. So Patterson, I, I think it's fair. Patterson's probably like Patterson's operating is like the best coach in the league, which thank God it's not left, which, which tough scene for that guy right now. Just got fired from the Bucks and after losing on Monday, and now he's got to watch the team that he was the head coach for that he bailed on play on Saturday. That same year, the Diggs touchdown year was the year the Jags made the AFC championship game and lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots. Jacksonville had a lead going to the fourth quarter and New England outscored Jacksonville 14-3 in the fourth quarter. That defense was so good. One of the best. Like In the past, should have lost that game. Um, So that kind of wraps it in a bow. But yeah, Brandon's (laughs) into taking the Jags and the points. On to Jill. Speaking of this game, 
you have a touchdown angle. Yeah, and I'm not going to go as far as thinking that the Jags could cover, but at the same time, I completely understand why Brandon would come to that conclusion because of the Chiefs' defense, which has a key defensive weakness, which is the slot. So you're going to be looking at Christian Kirk to score an anytime touchdown in that game at plus 190, and the Chiefs were 31st in the NFL in touchdowns allowed to the slot, so that includes receivers and tight ends. Now, overall as well, they've allowed 20 touchdowns to wide receivers during the regular season. That ranked 31st. And I think it's a key to note that because usually they're leading in games. So a lot of times teams will just abandon the run. They'll immediately start trying to play catch-up mode. And more often than not, the wide receivers are the ones who are benefiting from that. Now, back to the slot part, Christian Kirk lines up pretty much exclusively in the slot. 80% of the time, he led the team as well in nearly every Offensive metric as far as catches, yards, touchdowns, a huge offseason signing for them. Also, when you go back to that matchup, the one where Patrick Mahomes diced them for four touchdowns, Christian Kirk actually caught a touchdown at the end of the first half and at the end of the second half. So scored twice in that game. I think all Jag wide receivers are in play, but I really like Kirk specifically in this matchup because of how the Kansas City defense has actually fared comparatively to the outside receivers as opposed to the receivers going over the middle. I would also say uh, I'm going to be probably betting Trevor Lawrence for a touchdown in this game as well, but Christian Kirk is my official pick at plus 190. We had uh, Nick Giffen on Green Dot Daily this week, and he likes Kirk uh, to finish over his receiving Mm. prop number of 64 and a half, and he mentioned – Exactly what you said. Kansas City struggles uh, to receivers that play in the slot in the passing game. He liked Etienne as well. And Kansas City also plays a very high rate of man defense. This and is he true. thinks that, that bodes well. Yeah, and it's a little foreshadowing as well for the touchdown show, uh, which will be airing on Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Oh, this guy. Nice plug. Oh, yeah. Moments into the show, plugging the next show and what's coming on Action Network. Okay, Luke, you're up. What's up? So the first line, I'm going to go with the Cowboys plus three and a half at the Niners on Sunday night, which has come down. It was at three at one point. It does seem like there's some books moving towards a four again, which I think this is one you can probably wait on. Um, There's no rush to grab the three and a half. I think three's got scooped up. And if it goes back down, um, I don't see that lasting very long and you'll be able to get a three and a half again. Um, But this is... Just fading. It's scary fading the hottest team probably in the league right now. But when you look at the Niners uh, and you look who they've played, it, it's just like depending on the ratings that you look at, they could have the weakest schedule in the entire league in terms of strength, where mm-hmm. they haven't played a Purdy since Purdy started. He hasn't faced a defense with the top 10 rush rate. Uh, the only defense that he's played that is DVOA top 12 is going to be Washington, which they were a shell of themselves when he faced them. Um, they were very injured. Um, and now he's going to go against a Dallas defense that their strength is going to be the pass rush. They are top three pass rush in the league uh, where the argument against that is going to be the San Francisco offense is play action throw. Like they are like Purdy is a puppet to Shanahan and all of his decisions are being made pre-snap and the pass rush might not have time to get there, but I still think that that's not enough. Um, and it, it just like Purdy has looked great, like, but it just doesn't make sense. Um, he's just been playing too well. 
and all the credit to Shanahan, but this is going to be the first defense that he's going against that I think can create problems. If they do have a weakness, it's going to the outside receivers. And if San Francisco offense is going to take advantage of a weakness, I don't think that's the one um, with Ayuk on the outside, et cetera. Um, this is going to be a totally step up in class against a Dallas team that put up 40 on the Eagles, 34 on the Jags, 28 on the Packers. So in terms of battle tested with this offense, um, Dallas is proven. And I was going against Dallas on Monday. Um, right. and admittedly <laughs> so, when they everything you thought about Dak, he just flipped the switch. Um, and when he flips the switch, it's not like the Bucks defense is bad. Um, he looked amazing. They have when they're rolling, they have an elite running back in Pollard, they have Zeke. They have an elite alpha wide receiver. They have an above average offensive line with a elite pass rush. Like they have everything needed to operate at an elite level against a San Francisco defense that hasn't faced a top 16 offense since week seven against Patrick Mahomes. Um, so Raiders put up 31. That is just in the back of my head. The Raiders putting up 31 on the Niners and it's possible. Um, and this could be possible again. And Cowboys at plus three and a half in a playoff game. Maybe I'm buying high, but everything about Monday sold me on, on Dak and his team right now. Their final three games of the year after the Tampa game, which I would put, now they scored 35 on Tampa, this, the, the Niners. Seattle, the Commanders, the Raiders, Cardinals. That's how they've closed the year. And it year. felt like in, in the Commanders specifically, like, I know they were playing their starters, but that if there's an exhibit A of like motivational factors and like trying, like I just don't think that commander's game you had an effort from the Cowboys team that was anything close, which they really didn't have much to play for at all. Um, and I am going to default to motivation against the commanders. Your thought, Jill? I just think uh, even Seahawks Island was able to exploit this defense even a little bit in the first half. Um, I don't think anybody was thinking about Kenneth Walker and he was able to walk one in, in the end zone DK Metcalf, Nick and I, we talked about it on the left side with Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Ward. Like that is one of the stronger aspects of their defenses receivers on the left side and DK just blasted them for a touchdown. And I'm not sure if, it was just Seattle falling apart in the second half, or if it was San Francisco imposing their will, but that first half kind of made me a little bit worried as well about San Francisco's chances going forward. Let's go to the second round of picks. We're going to go back to Saturday night, Brandon Eagles giants. You have an angle on this game. Yeah. So I went with uh, fading the one seed in the first game and I'm going to, I'm going to take the one seed here in the second game, but I'm going to take the Eagles just the first half, minus three and a half against the Giants. So let me just acknowledge up front, all the trends I said, fading the Chiefs, they're all here for the Giants. They're stronger for the Giants because it's a division angle. We've got the Danny Dimes road dog angle. Mm. Every trend I can find, it's literally like 9-0 for the Giants, and it terrifies me, and it's why I'm staying away from the whole line because maybe something wonky happens, maybe we get a backdoor, something like that, but... Which, by the way, real quick, 17 and five, Danny Dimes is a road yeah. dog. But I, I can't get away from just the, the, the mismatch that I see. The, the matchup on the field, I normally trust my numbers, but this is an absolute glaring mismatch to me. Here are some of the things I see. The Giants are dead last in the NFL against the run defensively. 
31st by EPA, 31st explosive runs. Guess who leads the league in EPA and DVOA rushing? It's the Eagles, of course. Jalen Hurts is healthy. He's off the report now. They're going to run all over this team like they did during the regular season. Eagles, number three in success rate by play versus number 28 success rate for the Giants defense. Giants are the worst defense on first down. I think they're not going to get off the field here. The one star they have on that team, Dexter Lawrence, we saw how he dominated last week. Well, Jason Kelsey is the best weapon you could ask for against Dexter Lawrence. He is probably the best center in the league and anchoring a really strong Eagles line. I think the Eagles offense will be able to do just about anything they want in this game. I can't figure out what the Giants' answers are. And on the other side, Daniel Jones, for all his improvement, number one pass defense he's going to face this week, including number one in pressure rate. And the Giants' O-line has improved run blocking, but they're still bottom five protecting the passer. So you can't pass from behind because he's going to be under pressure all game. We might get some glimpses of old Danny J- Daniel Jones if things go poorly. I think the Eagles come out, get on the front foot, and get moving well. You look back at the Giants, and I, I think that a lot of people are buying high on them right now because they beat the Vikings. But we said all oh, year the Vikings aren't good. Why are we excited that they like barely outlasted the Vikings by one bad Kirk Cousins read at the end of the game? Last 11 Giants games, they have four wins. Only four since like early October. In all four games that they won were against the bottom 12 team by DVOA and by offensive DVOA. Yes, including the Vikings. Remember, they're not good. So it's not that exciting that they beat them. The teams played twice. Second one didn't really matter. Giants were resting. But in those games, the Eagles were up 24-7 at halftime. In the first game, the one that did matter, they were up 48-14 until garbage time. Second game, 16-0 at the half, 22-9 until garbage time. So I just think the Eagles come out and look great early. I'll take the first half because all the trends, who knows, maybe we get a backdoor, something funky at the end. I'll just get my money and get out of there. Eagles first half, 12 and five against the spread this season. Second best of any team in the league. 11 and three when Hurts is healthy and two and zero against the Giants. So I like the first half. Giants first quarter, offense and defense, both bottom five in the league. And the Eagles are number three offense and defense in the first half. So I think we get out to a quick start. And maybe some goes weird late, but I won't care. I'll have my money already. As far as a plan of attack, Brandon, I'm curious. I know Daniel Jones ran for 70-plus yards in the first half against the Vikings. Just trying to imagine what you'd expect from the Giants offensively. Do we get more of what we saw in the second half against the Vikings because the Eagles will, in every effort possible, try to take away the run from Jones? You know, the Eagles have not been good defending the quarterbacks running either. So I think Jones running, I think I think they will run. The Eagles' weakest spot is the run defense. So if I'm the Giants, that's absolutely the plan. Run the ball, keep the Eagles' defense getting tired out, keep the Eagles' offense on the sideline, yep. Saquon running, Jones running, bootlegs, chew up the clock. You want to limit the possessions, keep it close. Giants have played 18 games. 14 of them have been one-score games and would basically cover this number. That's why I don't want the whole game spread, but the Giants have been a team that uh, plays well late in games. Their numbers get much better in the second half while the Eagles fade a little bit. So I think the plan is run the ball and shorten the game and try to just have a chance late. So uh, I don't know if they're going to be successful at that, but that's what I would expect. The Eagles at Giants 
the week that they absolutely stomped them out, mm-hmm. that line was seven and a half. And now they're seven and a half again at home, which I think this is totally a, and no one knows uh, Jalen hurts his health where if he comes out and he starts look and he looks like he's hundred percent like live opportunity, like seven and a half is just a steal. If hurts is hundred percent healthy. And I don't think the books know. I don't think we know. I think they're kind of just middling it where, like they just don't know where it could go up or could go down based off of reports that come out um, where like this is an absolute steal of a line. If Hertz is a hundred percent, but if he's not <laughs> anything's off the table, and this is the divisional playoffs. Like there's an argument for every side this weekend. Um, right. And honestly, every side there isn't a wrong argument. There's no questions about motivation, et cetera, where, like it, this is if Hertz is 100. This line is wrong, but if he's not, this line is things get dicey. Um, so yeah, I agree on that, and I, it's certainly if Hertz isn't healthy, then taking the first half is maybe not where you want to be because he's going to come out rusty, and maybe you take a while to get into it. But I think if that's the case, the longer this stays close, the more you like the Giants to cover and maybe steal yeah. the game anyway. So if it's not happening early, I don't want the Eagles anyway. If it is happening, I want them to just come on blast them right away. So that's the angle here. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll know very – I think we'll know on the first drive on what's yeah, going to be happening. And, you know, for what it's worth, Brandon brought up the meeting when they were up 24-7 at half in the Meadowlands. First four drives for the Giants. Punt, 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 punt. And for the Eagles, first three drives, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And just looking at the first drive altogether – 14 plays, 84 yards, took up eight minutes of time. And there was no deep shot by Jalen Hurts taking up, you know, just short throws over the middle, sideline throws, nothing over the top. And to ease him back in, even if he is 100%, if it's just picking apart that Giants defense that way, that bodes well too. Because if they're scoring and they're taking time off the clock, that does not help uh, the Giants, who actually had some pretty sustained drives in the game against the Vikings. But Eagles are a little bit of a different uh a different animal. Okay. On to Jill. You've got a touchdown pick in this game. Yeah. And one final note about Jalen. I just wanted to mention that he was plus plus one ten uh, to score a touchdown in that matchup we're talking about. That was in the Meadowlands and he's minus minus one twenty right now at FanDuel. So I'm thinking that FanDuel is maybe thinking he's a little more confident about his ability to uh, run the ball, but I'm actually going to be looking on the Giants side uh, to score a touchdown. I'm going to be looking at the new <laughs> Giants wide receiver one, Isaiah Hodgins at plus 220 to score a touchdown. And he's got five touchdowns now in his last six games, if you exclude the Week 18 game that he didn't play. Uh, nine red zone targets on that stretch, so very efficient with uh, what he's doing with the ball when he gets it, and all of his touchdowns have been scored in the red zone. He actually scored in that game we were just referring to uh, versus the Eagles. And I figured, and I couldn't remember it right off the top of my head, so I went back to look on Next Gen and stats just to see how he scored that touchdown. Actually scored it on an out route on Darius Slay, one of the few touchdowns that he allowed this season. So uh, he finished that game with six targets. The game was already 21-0, so the fact that he was still being involved in that offense I thought was very encouraging. Really has emerged, again, as as the wide receiver one. He's playing over 85% of the snaps. And the Eagles, they're a funnel type of defense. If you've got Slay and Bradbury, they're going to try to make sure to take away the outside. And they're very vulnerable over the middle, which is what we saw in the second half as well, where they were maybe a little more vulnerable against the run. So they've allowed 16 touchdowns to wide receivers this season, which I think is notable. And if the Giants get inside the 10-yard line, Daniel Jones has shown that he likes to roll out and then try to find receivers. And Isaiah Hodgins 
Evans has been the biggest beneficiary from this spot. So I love him to score against the Eagles. Now, I just will say as an alternative, if you're not feeling Hodgins, you could look at his teammate, Richie James, who also winds up exclusively in the slot. You can get him anywhere between plus 300 to plus 350. And the other guy that I don't even want to bet it just because it's so narrative driven, but I know that everybody is going to be on it this week is Boston Scott. He's around plus 360, plus 370. He has scored in every single game he's ever played against the Giants. He has played eight games against them, 10 touchdowns. I'm personally not going to put a ton of money on it. I might just sprinkle on it, but I'm just putting that out there for people to remember that Boston Scott is the giant killer. Is there any hope for Darius Slayton at plus 310? Did he cross your mind at all? I know it's been Hodgins and James. They've been the guys Jones has gone to. He has been on my hate list now for three consecutive <laughs> weeks when we do Giants games. And I, the outside receiver for the Giants has just not been an effective position for them this season. They've been very good with the RPO and, and with uh, touchdowns over the slot. We even saw Bellinger, for example, score against the Vikings last week. That's yeah. where Daniel Jones makes his money. Darius Slayton at the beginning of the year you ask Giants fans, they wanted that guy cut, traded, whatever. And then by midseason, he was still kind of, you know, he had a couple touchdowns, a couple long catches, but he was never seeing less than like plus 250 to plus 275 odds, which I think is telling when you're a wide receiver one in an offense. And now, even if you're giving me plus 300, I would need at least plus 450 going against these outside corners from the Eagles. Okay. Darius Slayton, hate list. Won't bring him up again unless the Giants move on. Well, <laughs> I wasn't trying to be mean about it. It was just more like he's just I don't love the value on it. I don't like that they're valuing him right now in the plus 275 to plus 325 range. And that's just not enough for me for when so many other better options on this offense exist. Well, when you started your sentence with he's on the hate list, I hope you, I was hoping to get angry, Jill, because when you get <laughs> upset, um, you get upset. Hey, well, then- cl- classic Canadian with a hate list here. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're going to not touchdowns, but, uh, Luke, you have a player prop angle in this game. I do. My next one will be a side, but this one's going to be Devonte Smith over 62 and a half receiving yards, which he's gone over this number in six straight games. He's had eight plus targets in nine straight games. Uh, and really there isn't going to be a receiver hotter than him, uh, where this is going to be very much a numbers play. Um, I just think it's too low. Uh, since week 11, he's been averaging 89 yards a game, 11 plus targets a game. Um, and on the season, he's averaging 70 yards. So um, it, it's just it's just too low in a game that I think the, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be 100 uh, percent. Two games he's played the Giants. He's had over 30 attempts a game, which exceeds his um, average on the season. And then you got a Dory Jackson back who we would assume is going to shadow or put a lot of his attention on AJ Brown, which I think is part of the reason that Devonte has been popping off as of late. Uh, but with the Dory on AJ, that means Devonte is going to get Holmes or Moreau, which are great matchups for <laughs> the majority of the receivers in this league. Uh, but at 62 and a half uh, where the giants have seemed to be a pass funnel, um, even though Brandon had Brandon's rushing stats really go against that. Uh, now, so I'm actually gonna disregard that point, but yeah, Devontae over 62 and a half, too low. He's no receivers hotter since the end of the season. His averages far exceed this, especially as of late. Um, yeah, with a healthy Jalen over 62 and a half. 
Yeah, I love this one. The Giants middle of the field last week was just begging to be taken by anyone who would take it. We had the TJ Hawkinson over last week. Devontae Smith, what he was in college, was just tearing up the slot over the middle. So I think the Eagles probably use him a lot that way. Brennan, you asked, what what should the Giants do offensively? Well, I think defensively is you have to bear you have to you have to dare Jalen Hurts to beat you, right? You have to try to take away the running and say, okay, Jalen, you have to be the run, you have to beat us with the arm. So I think that bodes well for Devontae Smith. And actually, too, I'll mention right now at Sunbucks, you can bet Super Bowl MVP right now. The one name I've played right now is Devontae Smith, 75 to 1, for exact same reasons you said. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a as a lock MVP for the team. And I think there'd be a lot of attention on him, on AJ Brown. And Devontae Smith has been a red hot. That's a name I think probably would be like 10 to 1, 12 to 1 if it's actually in the Super Bowl. So if you like the Eagles to make a run here, I think that's a name you want to keep backing. For the sake of for the sake of clarity, because I know this doesn't really happen as much with the sides and totals, but Luke, totals up to 64 and a half. Is there a threshold where you cut yourself off on Smith? Um, I, I mean. Uh, Just a question. I would say probably like 68, I would say is probably okay. a threshold, but like at that point I'm probably playing I'm, I'm alternates. Like it's tough to say a threshold when you're betting a prayer prop and you're betting alternate overs as well, um, where it's like, would you not bet this alternate over at? Yeah. So 68 and a half, let's just say is the threshold, um, but have fun with alternates as well. And okay. I was just going to point out that, in both matchups, he had 64 or more receiving yards. And part of the reason why Devontae and AJ really are just going to crush this defense is because they put, they're they the most predictable defense in the NFL. They play the most man coverage uh, in the NFL, and that is where Devontae feasts. That's actually where six of his seven touchdowns have been scored is against man coverage as opposed to zone coverage. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. I feel like he's going to have a huge day against the Giants. Okay, last round of picks. This one, this particular round of picks is going to center around one game. It's the Sunday game between Buffalo and Cincinnati. We finally get this game. We did not see it week 17 Monday night. I think you're all aware of that by now. Brandon, this is a pick that you actually had for that game that was going to be, of course, in Cincinnati. This one's in Buffalo. You're going back to it, though, and there might be a little bit of overreaction on the line based on last week's results. What do you have? Yeah, I'm going back to my favorite pick from that game and a pick that you've heard on this podcast a bunch of times. Now, it's it's my old faithful prop. Give me the Josh Allen rushing yards over in any big Bills game. Buffalo clearly, when you watch their games, saves Josh Allen for the big moments. They try to limit the runs, especially the designed runs, limit scrambling a little bit when they're playing, you know, I was going to say the Jets and, and Dolphins, but those teams are good now. But, you know, in a normal year, playing the dregs of the league, then normally Josh Allen, you just kind of like, all right, let's 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 save things and just get out of here with the win. Personally, I think that's what happened last week. Four runs, 20 yards. We're playing Skylar Thompson. We got this one in the bag. We're two touchdown favorites. I think the Bills treated that as not really a playoff game, and I think that's why they saved his legs. But look at the numbers. If you look at when Josh Allen last two years against a non-playoff team, 22 games, he's run 6.4 times for just under 40 yards in those games on average. 14 games against playoff teams, those go up to 9.1 runs, 57.3 yards. So that's nearly a 50% increase in yardage. Doesn't sound like much from 40 to 57, but at that level, that is a huge difference. 
in those 14 playoff games or 14 games against playoff teams, 44 yards or over 10 of the 14 and at least 59 rushing yards and over half of them. So I think this line is way too low in playoff games, actual playoff games. Allen has played. He's at 54 rushing yards or more five of the seven. Now average 56 that mid fifties. You keep hearing that's where I would put this line. If I was setting it, we opened at 40 and a half. I can't believe it. I bet it right away. It was um, at multiple books. Now we're seeing 42 and a half, 44, 45. It's starting to climb. I don't think it's going to hit 50. I personally feel great about anything below 50. We just gave all the numbers out in the 50s. I've played, like Luke said, I'm on alternate overs here. So you can check the app for 60 plus, 75 plus. I don't know if we get to 75, but he's gone to 59 or more in over half the game. So I like the 60 there as well. Bengals are bottom five against design quarterback runs. And by the way, that game that we saw, what, like nine minutes of? Scrub from the internet. It's gone now. You can't watch the film. There's no box score. There's no stats. However, we did get a little glimpse of that game. We got one Bills drive. This was my pick then, so I was watching. Josh Allen ran two times on the first drive for 14 yards. That was going to put us well on pace to hit her over then. I deserve some money. I was going to win that bet. I'm winning it this week. Josh Allen over 42 and a half, 45 and a half, whatever you need to get to get the lowest one you can find, get the rushing yards. The 60 plus line right now on FanDuel is at plus 178, 70 plus, plus 310, so on and so forth. Very, very similar to when they were going to meet when they did meet Monday night, week 17. Okay. As Eminem likes to say, back to the lab again, yo. Here comes Jill Gallant <laughs> once again going to his guy. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not burying the Just Dawson Knox touchdown. Come on. Give it to us again, please. Yeah. And it, again, this will just basically feel like a repeat of last week's explanation. But it does differ a little bit because obviously we have a different matchup. But yes, we are going to go with Dawson Knox at plus 210 because anything over plus 200 for me is an auto bet. And I've been saying this for uh, pretty much all season because he's been above plus Here's 200 uh, in nine games this year. And he has scored in six of them now, nine, including most recent playoff game. So the difference, though, is that this matchup now is against the Bengals and this is one of the few times where you'll see my co-host Nick Giffen and I from the touchdown show, we deviate on opinion because he very much will look at the stats on the numbers and say, look, the Bengals, they've only allowed three touchdowns of tight ends this year. They actually do excel against receivers within the slot. But my, my disagreement or my objective, my objective rather is that their bottom 10 in receptions and yards two tight ends. And this is Dawson Knox. This isn't just your average scrub slot receiver. This is a man who is a proven playoff performer. Five touchdowns in seven career playoff games. In five playoff home games, he has scored four times. So for me, immediately, I'm looking at a guy who has just been a strong red zone threat. They keep giving it to me over plus 200. They will not correct the odds. I'm going to have to keep betting it until something changes. Either he doesn't score or uh, until they put it below plus 200. And even then I might still consider it, but I will say that uh, I also think that since is just going to have a big hard time trying to contain Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. And I think that will allow more opportunities for a Dawson Knox to be able to score in the end zone. So Dawson Knox, who we did hit last week on the best bets podcast, I'm going to be taking him again at plus 210. Can't really add much to that. Back to the well, back to the lab. 
All right, Luke, take us home. Your last one. So this one's scary, but I'm going to go with the Bills minus five hosting the Bengals as well, which five, five and a half. If you don't have interest in five, if five and a half scares you off, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but honestly, this is just going to be, and it is terrifying because I faded the Bengals every round last year in the playoffs and got gutted. Um, and I'm back to the well, and I told myself I was going to do this, but here we are, and you just got to go with logic that they, the Bengals have just been defined uh, since the Bucks game. They won the Bucks game that they were losing by a lump sum at half and had all these turnovers and ended up covering Patriots. Stevenson fumbles on the goal line. And then you have the Ravens who fumbled on the goal line as well, uh, where last week, like I totally thought the Ravens were going to win that game. And then all of a sudden you're leaping for an end zone, two yards out and the other team's taking it the other way. Um, but this really is just hitting a Bengals team that like nothing on paper makes any sense in terms of how they can, how they're covering this numbers, which they are. And then you got their offensive line, which if you look on any site, each offensive lineman is probably going to be highlighted in a red. Um, and it, it's just like, I know everyone says a Burroughs release is the lowest in the league, but at one point, like that can only last so long against this bill's offense that, it's going to be operating on all cylinders. And if anyone has home field, it's going to be the bills. Um, I was on the bills when they played two weeks ago and I'm going to be on them again. Um, so bills minus five hosting the Bengals Sunday. Yeah. All right. I, I, uh, I think you mentioned like Burroughs quick speed, getting the ball out. I think the bills probably disguise coverages a lot here just to try to slow the process down. And I think we probably see a little more zone too. Burroughs not as good against the zone. I like the Bills here. We talked about this on Sunday night, and I, I took this when it first popped at three and a half. Here's my question for you, Luke. Buffalo this season, I've noticed, really, really not a fast starting team. Last week, they came out quick, but usually first quarter, they've been kind of slow. That game we did see against the Bengals, they gave up an opening drive touchdown. Cincinnati was driving again. For the season, Buffalo first quarter has been by far their worst DVOA. Their 27th defense, 19th offense. We're sitting at five. I think you probably would agree the line moves a point either way by kickoff. Would you consider, I haven't made up my mind on this yet. I like the bills, but I don't know if I want to take the five or the six if it gets there. Would you wait and see about Cincinnati maybe getting off some points in a back and forth game and hope that you could get a better live line for Buffalo? Or, or is it too risky and you just want to get your money in while you can? No, I'm definitely 100% a proponent of waiting where, yeah, Bengals score on the first drive, you're going to get this at a totally better number. So um, some uh, the logic behind where they're, who knows, like if you're betting a unit, take put half on the minus five and then save the other half for maybe a live opportunity. Um, but yeah, or throw the bills in a teaser, um, whatever it is, but which <laughs> there's some interesting teasers this week that feel too good to be true. But um, yeah, 100% with that. Okay, that's it, fellas. Great work as always. Let's recap the picks. Brandon Anderson is on Jacksonville plus nine. He likes the Eagles first half, minus three and a half against the Giants. And he's on Josh Allen's over rushing yards, 42 and a half. Jill's on Christian Kirk, anytime touchdown, plus 190. Isaiah Hodgins of the Giants, anytime touchdown, plus 275. And he's on Dawson Knox, once again, plus 200 or greater, you better get on it. Dawson Knox, plus 210 
against the Bengals. And Luke, you're on Dallas plus three and a half. Devontae Smith over 62 and a half receiving yards and Bills minus five. All right. That'll do it here for the Action Network podcast, our divisional round best bets episode presented by FanDuel. As the NFL season comes to a close uh, with Action Network on the Action Network podcast for some special player prop episodes from Rayvon and Kerner uh, each week, they'll have that. The first player prop episode for the divisional round will be out tomorrow morning. So keep an eye out for that. And if it's DFS that you more pertains to your style, uh, check out Chris and Sean over on the Fantasy Flex pod from Action. Thanks to Brandon, Jill, and Luke for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Best of luck with your bets this weekend. We'll see you on the recap episode. Comes to you on Monday morning right here on the Action Network podcast. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.